Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Student loan debt is only a crisis for the most privileged whiners in American society today. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. Let's talk about student loan debt because this is a conversation that has become sort of a rallying cry for for the far left, for liberals. And I, I don't think that the conversation has a lot of context to it. Generally, how this conversation starts is somebody on the left, um, maybe it's, it's AOC, maybe it's one of the squad members, maybe it's a, you know some idiot blue checkmark journalist. They get cancel student debt trending, hashtag cancel student debt. And then you get all of these sob stories from these people like, I got a PhD in lesbian folk dancing and I can't find a job and all of this other stuff. And then, so this is coming from the left. And then what the right says is, no, we shouldn't cancel student loan debt because I didn't go to college or I went to a state college or I made decisions that were smarter than these idiot leftists who get this conversation going. So that is how the conversation usually goes. And I wanted to go a little deeper into this conversation. And I think that before I even let you know what I think about student loan debt, even more than I already did before, because like I said, this is not a crisis for America. Okay, first of all, this is not, you know, something that is going to make America collapse in and of itself. This is not, you know, something that is going to destroy the country. Like I said, this is a crisis for only the most privileged whiners in American society today. And I am saying this, and I am telling you this as someone who holds student loan debt myself. At this point, I believe that I hold about $35,000 in student loan debt. And I think that my own student debt story reveals a lot about how college is sold to the working class. So this is my student loan debt story. Obviously, you all know, if you're new here, if you're not, a big part of my story is the fact that I went into the military at 17 years old, directly out of high school. I went into the military partially, you know, to serve my country, absolutely partially because I had to get out of Ohio because I just wanted a bigger life, but partially because I wanted an opportunity to go to college. I did not go to a good high school. I did not go to a, co- a high school that was prepping me to become a college student. And I remember going to the, the local university from Akron, Ohio. So we would go to the local university and I went with my mother and I was actually taking classes at the university while I was in high school. And for whatever reason, it, it just didn't financially seem to make any sense. I was, you know, waiting tables at Denny's at that point. I wasn't, in, like I said, in the kind of high school that is going to push you towards going to college, even though I, I did well in high school. So I decided to go into the military and, and at what, so that at one point I could go into college. And when I was serving in Iraq, when I was going through everything that I was going through in the military, when I decided that it was going to be my career, I said that this is all going to be worth it because when I get done with this, I'm going to be able to go to college. So I'm going to clue you in on what I did at first. I started out at community college right after I got out of the military. There was something in the back of my mind that knew that As a 21-year-old kid that just got out of the military, I wasn't kind of ready to go to a four-year university. So I decided to stay in Colorado Springs. I decided to go to community college to get a sense for what college was going to be like. And I went to community college so that I could feel comfortable with the level of coursework so I could get used to what it is to be a student. And, And I did all of that stuff. 
And one of my first mistakes, and, and this is how I got into student loan debt. I got into to two colleges because um, I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to stay in Colorado or if I wanted to go somewhere else. I got into the University of Colorado at Boulder and I also got into Syracuse University. Now, Syracuse University is a very fine school. It is also a private school and it is also quite a pricey private school. I wanted to go to Syracuse University so bad. It was the picture perfect college atmosphere that I had seen in all the movies and TV shows that that's what I wanted. And when I found out that I could get loans and stuff like that, that were going to pay for me to go to Syracuse, I took it because I wanted to come back to the East Coast. I wanted to go to Syracuse. Eventually, I wanted to live in New York City. I wanted to have that experience. So by the time my Syracuse University experience was over. This is a, a, a private school, learned a lot at Syracuse University, made a lot of friends, did the fraternity thing, was on the quad, did all of that stuff. I was in student loan debt to the tune of, like I said, about $35,000. Syracuse University is, I believe, $27,000 a year, if I am not mistaken. And that is before lodging and food and all of that other stuff. Luckily, I got the GI Bill. Now, this was not the post 9-11 GI Bill. These kids get a lot more nowadays. I got the regular GI Bill. So I had a certain amount of money every month to cover lodging, food, all that stuff. But still, I had to pay for the school. So I graduated in student loan debt. So when I have this student loan debt conversation and I tell you about student loan debt, this is not something that I am not dealing with. And this is not something that I don't have empathy about. I know exactly what people are going through when they have student loan debt. My first job out of college, I made $30,000 a year and I was living in New York City. So there was absolutely no way uh, in my mind, because I didn't know anything at all about budgeting, right? So there was no way that I could pay off the student loan debt while making $30,000 a year living in New York City. Literally, I was paying $1,000 a month in rent and I had about $200 a week to sustain myself in my early years of New York City. So what happens is that you keep on deferring, 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 interest, 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 more debt, more debt, more debt, right? And that is what happened to me. And I got so used to deferring this stuff because, again, I wasn't really making a whole lot of money. I majored in marketing and communications. So I was making no money and a lot of shit media jobs. So obviously, I think that at my last media job and my last marketing job, I think I was making maybe $55,000 a year. Still not enough but I still didn't make the decision to go pay down that debt. So it kept on generating interest. And so I wanted to share all of that with you. And I say all this to say that there are some things that the student loan debt whiners that go all over social media and go all over MSNBC, MSNBC because MSNBC is the only one that, that aren't going to push back on this bullshit. And there is a level of elitism to this which is so interesting that we have such an elitism and such an entitlement that comes from the left. These are the things that the student loan whiners think that they're above. They think that they're above community college. They think that they're above state schools. They think that they're above trade schools. They think that they're above not going to college at all. And they think that they're above going into the military. 
So the student loan debt situation in America is always pushed as a crisis. Oh my God, it's a student loan debt crisis. It's going to destroy America. This is something that is so urgent that we need to act right now. So it's always promoted as something that is just an issue that is affecting all of America. All right. So let's let's head on over to census.gov and, and let's just do some numbers here. So first of all, in 2019, 22.5% of the population age 25 and older have finished four years of college. 22.5%. So basically, what this conversation is about, it is, it is about getting, what is it, 77.5% of America to subsidize the college loans for the other 22.5%, that makes zero sense to me. A crisis or a situation that affects 22.5% of a very privileged portion of this population is not a crisis at all. It's a problem. But it's not going to be addressed or solved by just making the other 80% of the taxpayers wipe it away. It's moral. It's ridiculous. It, it makes no sense. And that is the element of the conversation that I am so tired of. These people are, they're too good to go to community college. Community college is, oh, that's for the poor kids. They're too good to go to a state school because I, I feel entitled to go to a, a private school or go into the Ivy League. Oh, trade schools. Oh, no, those are for dummies. I'm not going there. And oh, of course, you're not worth anything if you don't go to college. Oh, and going into the military. Why would I want to go to the military in order to go to college? Why should I have to be cannon fodder for the military industrial complex just in order to go to college? And this is what a lot of people you know, tell me when I say, you know, shut up, go to the military. There's lots of different ways that you can get this college education that you think you are so entitled to. And so listen to this. I, I found a really good statistic from the National Review, and this sort of crystallizes this idea that, that, I'm, that I'm sharing with you guys today, that this student loan debt crisis is a crisis of the elite. It is not a crisis of working people. And this is from the National Review. The typical four-year college graduate who borrowed starts with a debt of about $28,500, which he or she can eliminate with 20 years of $181 monthly payments. Fair. By way of comparison, bachelor's degree holders out-earn high school grads by something like a million dollars over the course of their lives. Also very true. Now, what about those with far higher burdens, these whiners that talk about their $150,000 student loan debt or their $250,000 student loan debt? These large sums, and again, this is from the National Review, normally come from graduate studies, not four-year degrees, and are disproportionately possessed by folks with relatively high incomes, including doctors and lawyers. Do you know what doctors and lawyers make? Generally, I mean, of course, this can go up into the millions, but generally, doctors and lawyers are starting out at about $150,000, $200,000 a year, right? So, you know, I think that if you're making $150,000 to $200,000 a year, then you don't need the American taxpayer you know, paying off in, in subsidizing your higher education, because God knows you're going to out earn the majority of the people who did not make the decision to get education to that level. 
and this is again with the National Review, says higher undergraduate debt is also often the result of a deliberate choice to attend expensive private colleges rather than more affordable public ones and to turn down avenues such as military service that can pay for college. So this is a decision that people made. I have student loan debt, just like I told you before. I made a choice. Was it a smart or well-informed choice at, what was I, 21 years old? No, absolutely not. It's just what I wanted. And I did what I wanted, right? So I made the choice to go to Syracuse University, which was a private school. But I also made the choice to serve in the military, which mitigated some of the effects of that. So I really have to really give you the sense that when people talk about a student loan debt crisis, when people talk about the idea that very wealthy and very highly educated people should somehow get this student loan debt paid off by American taxpayers, the majority of which did not even go to college, it's bullshit. And there's just no other way around this. In this conversation, about paying off student loan debt, hashtag cancel student loan debt, is being had by some of the most privileged and elitist people in American society. Next up, the Ivy League scam, because Ivy League universities and colleges are definitely a scam. And I can tell you because I have firsthand experience with Columbia University. And I am going to tell you how the Ivy League dupes working class kids into taking out outrageous amounts of student loans after the break. You may or may not know, my, my wonderful problematic listeners, that I have a master's degree in journalism from Columbia University. That is the Ivy League Columbia University. That is the same Ivy League Columbia University that is bandied about with such praise and, and, and such deference by so many of the elites in our society. And I am here to tell you today, because likely nobody else is going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, is that Columbia University, at least in my experience, was a total scam that exists primarily to get exorbitant tuition and to dupe people that are dumb enough to think that an Ivy League university is going to be their ticket into the elite. So let me tell you something. And let me run a couple of numbers for you. A couple of years back, I became convinced that the only way to take my media career to the next level was to go to Columbia University, Graduate School of Journalism. This was the Ivy League. This is just where everyone went. I mean, this is just the top of the top. And I was doing a little writing on the side. I just wasn't making much money. And what I really wanted, honestly, was I really wanted media, uh, media stuff, TV. I, I wanted to know how to edit. I wanted to know how to shoot. I wanted to know how to do all of these things that, by the way, I eventually ended up learning on YouTube. But I had convinced myself that going to Columbia University was the answer and that that was going to catapult me into the higher echelon of media. So let's run down uh, the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism program by the numbers. And mind you, I'm going to give you all of these numbers, and this is a 10-month program. This program starts in the middle of August, and it is done in mid-May. The tuition for this 10-month program is about $75,000. Of course, 
you're going to have to eat and, and live somewhere. I mean, unless, you know, they're, they're letting people camp out on the quad, which, you know, hasn't quite happened yet, but they're in New York City. So who knows what the next five years have to offer. So if you don't want to be homeless and you want to eat, you can tack on another $25,000, $30,000 onto that for living expenses, right? So there are two types of people that go to a program like Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. These are wealthy kids whose parents can write a check, whose parents are not really thinking that hard about spending $125,000 so that their kid can have a Columbia University degree because that means something uh, among the privileged and elite circles. Get it. Or there are working class kids like me, by the way, who get duped into thinking a program like that is somehow their entry into the elite. And I was very much duped by the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. The best thing that ever happened for me, and, and, and I try to pay this forward, every year I go back to Columbia and there are veterans that are coming into this program. I sit them down and I'm like, I'm close the door because I'm going to tell you what nobody else in this godforsaken place is going to tell you. Thank God there were veterans that told me because I was fully ready. I was so brainwashed by this idea that I was ready to tack on a good another $125,000 onto the student loan debt that I already have. Thank God there's a veteran that told me, Rob, you're probably still eligible for a, a VA benefit that's called the vocational rehabilitation. Basically, what it means is that if you are a percentage disabled, which I am, I, I'm, I'm disability rated from the military, that you are entitled to a different program that will pay off the program and will give you a certain amount of money to live on throughout the program. I qualified. I fought tooth and nail to get to this program because one thing about the military and getting VA benefits and stuff like that is that when you're dealing with these bureaucrats that run VA programs, and if they think that you're stupid, and if they think that you're going to accept whatever they tell you, then they will try to screw you over. But I was not accepting what they told me, and, and they knew that I was going to escalate this if this got denied for me because I am just that type of person, problematics. So I got the program, and the program ended up paying the entire tuition for Columbia University. And I thank God for that because if I did not get turned on to this by some of the other veterans that had gone through this program, I would have taken out that loan. And I am not, I just, I would have taken out the loan. I, I was that into this, right? So I didn't take out that loan. I graduated from Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. I didn't know shit, but I graduated. Um, I, I, and I didn't know stuff because the fundamental basics of that program are they were teaching for a, a media and journalism industry that stopped existing in 2003. And, and I won't get too much into that stuff, but I want you guys to know that this is what I did. So when I have my media critiques and when I critique the journalism industry and all that stuff, you have to know that it's coming from somewhere. It's coming from actual experience with this stuff. And so what about this program that is causing, costing the average student at Columbia University about $125,000 a year? Uh, the journalism building itself it is one building. It is pretty much falling apart it has a rickety elevator. There's not a whole lot going on in there. Most of the faculty are, are more worried about their careers than they are in actually teaching anything. They claim that you're going to have so much access to these great giants of journalism who are all right in the media center of the world. New York City, you don't have that access. 
And the worst thing about this program, and this is another thing that makes you realize that these are not institutions for higher education. These are businesses. And they are going to get their money one way or another. There is a huge number of international students in this journalism program, this American, this is the best uh, journalism program in the country, allegedly. And there is a huge number of international students that barely speak English. Why are they there? Because they can write a check. They are there because Columbia University doesn't have to worry about whether their grants will come through or whether the loan gets paid off or whether they're going to have to be waiting for the VA to pay the $75,000. No, they are there because they come from a lot of money overseas and they can write a check to get into this university. And like I said, I thank God that I didn't go into any more student debt, but this is my experience. Now, how many people that have gone to these Ivy League schools, do you think have the same experience? How many people that come from working class backgrounds took out another hundred, hundred and twenty-five, hundred and fifty, two hundred thousand dollars just to go to one of these Ivy League diploma mills, thinking that that was going to be their entree into the elite, that that was going to be their entree into more money, that that was going to be their entree into whatever? There was a young lady that I graduated with. I'm still friends with her to this day. And her, I, I always share her story because it makes me, it just makes me furious. And we would have lunches together and we would talk about the program and all that stuff. And she took out, she's a working class kid. She's working class, working class young woman. Took out $150,000 to do this program. Her first job out of college out of this Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism paid her a grand total of $28,000 a year. How on earth is somebody making $28,000 a year going to ever pay off two dollars or $150,000? The answer is, is that they won't or it will take them so long to do that. And the thing about it is, is that so many people go through things like this. There are, I'm telling you a story about this from, from, from somebody that's obviously conservative, obviously on the right, but there are a lot of people on the left that have the same story as well. And the difference between the left and the right and the difference between these two perspectives is that somebody from the left is going to have this experience and they are going to be pissed off because they got played, because they got duped, because they got lied to. And now that they got played and they got duped and they got lied to, somebody else has got to pay. And that somebody else is you, dummy American taxpayer who maybe didn't go to college, but is somehow being expected to subsidize their poor choices. And that's the difference of the entire conversation about this. And I wanted to take a little time to really bring you into this Ivy League scam, because what it is is a scam. And it's not just the Ivy League, and it's not just private universities. It's the entire college financial industrial complex is created so that they can make money. And when they knew that they would get this free money from the federal government 
which, by the way, people are always on the hook for. You can't even get out of that via bankruptcy. Well, then why the hell wouldn't they jack up tuition? Why the hell wouldn't they spend millions and millions of dollars on diversity counselors and and gender studies and like all of this bullshit that is not teaching people how to go get a trade? It is certainly not teaching people how to do anything uh, but being professional whiners and hope that perhaps someday they can get a tenure track job in a university race hustling or, or talking about gender theory or talking about all the other bullshit that doesn't really matter in the world so that they can make a way. And so why wouldn't these universities and colleges continue to engage in this stuff? Of course they will. Of course they're going to continue raising tuition. Of course they're going to continue um, hiring these gender assholes and the race hustlers. Of course they're going to do it. There is no reason for them not to. So what are solutions for this student loan debt conundrum that America finds itself in? I will tell you what they are not. It's not going to be relieving the student loan debt via the American taxpayer. But I can tell you what they will be after the break. I think the first thing that we need to do when we are talking about student loan debt and we are talking about the people that are holding this ridiculous amount of student loan debt is we have to start changing the conversation about college, changing the conversation about what college is supposed to be, about what college is supposed to mean, about what college is actually supposed to do for you. Now, I know that this may sound a little crazy, and I know that this may be a a right-wing conspiracy theory, but I think that college is supposed to prepare you to get an actual job that makes actual money. I mean, just, you know, that's just how I look at college. It's not supposed to be for you to find yourself. It's supposed to be for you to explore yourself. It's not for you, for you to, to explore the alleged infinite amount of genders that exist within all of us. It's for you to get a job. It's for you to, to, to make money. It's for you to actually get a jump start on life. And it's so funny because back when I was on the left and back when I was in college, I had a completely different view of the function of what these colleges and universities were supposed to be. And I actually, the funny thing about it, I actually looked down on some of my fraternity brothers and some of my classmates and some people that were just like studying business. I was like, oh, that's so boring. They're studying business or, oh, they're studying finance. Oh, God, they're just, you know, they just want to get a job and make money. I'm here to explore and, and find out who I am. One time, and this was at Syracuse University, Stephen A. Smith, a very, very famous sportscaster, for ESPN. You should know who he is. He's, he's entertaining. So he came to Syracuse University to give a lecture. And I was furious at his lecture because Stephen A. Smith came to, to Syracuse University. It's probably about, probably about, I don't know. Well, we don't have to go. We don't have to do years, but it was, you know, it was a while ago. And his entire lecture was about, and I think he was speaking to a black student group. His entire lecture was about Get out in this world and make money because you are not going to be able to live in in the way that you want to live without making money. And it went on in that capacity for about 45 minutes. I was furious. Who does does Stephen A. Smith think he is to be coming and talking to me at, at college about making money? 
who needs money? That's not what this is about. This is about me exploring myself. This is about, you know, rushing my fraternity. And this is about making new friends and meeting new people and having new experiences. It wasn't until just a couple of years ago that I finally understood what Stephen A. Smith was saying. And maybe the Stephen A. Smith view of the world is what we need to start internalizing and talking about when we talk about college. Because college needs to be to teach you a skill or some kind of knowledge that is going to generate income for you. And I am not entirely sure that college should be about anything other than that. Look, if some trust fund kid is sitting on millions and they want to pay $100,000 a year or whatever to go to Brown and, and to study gender theory or race theory, whatever, God bless. That kid is never going to have to worry about money. But for these working class kids like myself, by the way, first person in my family to ever get a, to ever go to college, get a bachelor's degree, let alone a master's degree. And these working class kids need to think differently about why they are going to college. And another thing we need to do is we need to start holding these colleges accountable. Why on earth do you know how many billions of dollars these universities sit on? These universities sit on billions of dollars. And yet we are seriously considering holding the American taxpayer accountable for, I believe that the left is trying to push Joe Biden to, to forgive $50,000 worth of loans. Allegedly, he's probably going to forgive about $10,000 worth of loans. I mean, for me personally, you know how I feel about this, but look, I didn't vote for that man. But if he relieves $10,000 of loans, like, what? Well, I'm not going to turn it away. I'm not going to turn it down. Shit, I ain't that dumb. But hold the colleges accountable for the fact that they have jacked up tuition, that they have created ridiculous positions because they know that this money is going to be flowing to them from the federal government no matter what. And the people that they are duping are on the hook for it. And lastly, stop allowing the left to own this conversation. Stop allowing them to own it. Stop allowing them to pretend as if they are the only ones that care about people that are struggling with student loan debt, as if they are the only ones that have struggled with this, as if they are the only ones that are actively taking this on. Start challenging them about this conversation and start challenging them on the conversation. I am so tired of a lot of aspects of the right right now. It's like, we don't start conversations. All we do is just like step up and we're just like against whatever the leftists say. So be against them on the student loan debt conversation, but talk about why. Talk about why you are challenging this. Talk about how elitist a conversation it actually really is. Talk about the fact that it's a lack of personal responsibility that would lead somebody to even have the audacity to think that the American taxpayer is responsible for paying off their student loan debt. Start challenging the idea. And this is something that came from the National Review article that is very interesting because he said, this is not about helping the poor. Because if this was a conversation about helping the poor, they would be talking about mortgage relief or relieving people's mortgages or, or, or doing things that more directly impact the poor and the impoverished in this country. Student loan debt is not something that impacts the poor and the impoverished because the poor and the impoverished in this country 
would not even have the privilege or even the choice to go to college. So start challenging them on this stuff and start taking control of this conversation. I don't lack empathy for the people that are struggling with student loan debt. I have struggled with it myself. I am still I still have student loan debt to this day. I still have lots of debt that I accrued from making poor choices before I was smart enough to know better. But it's not the taxpayer's responsibility. My life and my choices and my decisions are not somebody else's responsibility to bail me out from. And if we don't start challenging the student loan debt conversation and start really talking about the underlying issues that led to the student loan debt issue, and if we really don't start calling out some of these elitists that think that taxpayers should be on the hook for their poor choices, then the left is going to own this conversation yet again. And we can resist as much as we want. But if we don't start owning this conversation and we don't start coming up with some real solutions, we don't start talking openly about our own experiences with student loan debt. We don't start changing the conversation about college. And if we don't start holding these colleges accountable, one day they will get what they want. They will get this $50,000 or maybe even more in student loan debt per person relieved. And it is going to be you and I who are going to be paying for it. Thanks so much to my sponsors. Please support them so we can bring the show to you for free. Visit my show page at robsmithisproblematic.com and please tell your friends about the show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts so other people can learn what the show is about, be introduced to me, all of these problematic thoughts, and introduced to our community of problematics. Thanks to producer Stephen Calabria and researcher Aaron Kleekman and executive producers Debbie and Newt, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. Part of the Gamers 360 Network.